Hello, my name is Christian Pearson and this is Art and Victory from the Show Starts Now Studios. We are at The Resonator on Main Street in Norman and today's topic for our panelists is how to make a living as a visual artist. Of course, we have a live audience here and we would love to meet our panelists now. Could you all please introduce yourselves? Well, my name is Jason Wilson. I'm an art teacher in Hartshorn, Oklahoma. So, All right, Jason. and. Hi, my name is Jessica Legeko. And Jessica, and, and tell us a little bit about uh, your just kind of what media you work with in art. Yeah, uh, actually, I, a little backstory on myself. Uh, I moved here from Lubbock, Texas, and I went to UCO in Edmond. That's where I majored in art. And uh, painting has always been my what I was always drawn to and what I use a lot is a, a lot of thick paint when you look to the side of my paintings I want to be able to see like a good inch of paint it's the texture that drives me crazy that I want to see every single time so if you ever see any of my work it's probably really heavy because there's a lot of paint on it and there's multiple layers so that's a little description of my work I love it and you should see her work because it's awesome and, and go and tell us a little bit about what you do Jason well I grew up around a grandma and three great grandmas that quilted and so I get a lot of inspiration from the quilting world. My, uh, my art would be considered probably op art or uh, perceptual art, hard edge art, along those lines. It's acrylic, uh, real clean, no texture. I don't like to see it. I don't want any more paintbrush strokes in it. I try to eliminate all distractions. So it's real clean, opposite of Jessica's. I love, so. it. I love it. I love it. It's good to have different types. Okay, the, the first question I always lead off with in the EVs, and uh, we can start with, with Jessica. Um, wh why do you make art? Why do you make visual art? Man, that's such a hard question. It's like hard to talk with, like, it's the only thing that ever, when I first took my first art class, and I think I was a junior in high school, it was the only thing that I really connected with. When you first do your drawings or your first like drawing class, it's just something I, my brain just already knew how to do, and I enjoyed it. I think since all you guys are artists here, you get that like high feeling of when you look at the clock, you're like it's been two hours and I didn't even realize that I'm still painting or I'm still drawing or printing or whatever. That feeling of euphoria is what drives me, honestly. So you said it kind of came naturally to you and then it makes you feel really present when you're doing it to where you don't even yes. notice how much time's passed. Yes, that kind it of does yeah. and it just, when I'm, when I'm painting, I feel like I'm doing what I was supposed to be doing. That's beautiful, yeah. <laughs> what about you? Well, I, as I was growing up, I already told you my grandmas were quilters, so I was under their quilts. I would hang sheets off the end of them and they would be my tents. I'd sleep under them. Uh, so that was a lot of my world was the, the, the quilts. But my mom was also an artist. She taught school, but she wasn't an art teacher. But she always painted. And so I've always just been around art. And when I was in school, I was the kid that could draw. And so everybody always, well, Jason will draw. And so I've always been the one that drew and uh, started painting as a junior in high school did not want to paint. My art teacher insisted that I paint. And uh, the first painting I did won first place at the state fair. And that's not the style that I paint in now. But that kind of sparked it. And art's always been a part of my world. So being around people who have influenced you, having a knack for it, and then other people who have encouraged you or pushed you, that, that's exactly. kind of how you found yourself where you are. Um, I want to follow up and ask, um, when did you first start getting paid for your art? Well, I went to college. Uh, I went to OBU. I have two degrees from Oklahoma Baptist University, one in uh, art education and one in religion. And uh, so when I graduated from college, I had my art education degree. So I started teaching at Seminole Public School in 1990. I will have been teaching 30 years this year. This will be my 30th Congrats. year. And uh, so I've always taught and earned money from being the teacher of visual arts teacher uh, but about five years ago is when I started when I started marketing myself outside of education uh, I don't know if any of y'all have heard this term but this term was was out and I'd heard it those who can do and those who can't teach and it infuriated me and uh, and so I it drove me because I wanted to see the kids not just see their art teacher 
teaching, but their art teacher creating and being successful at it. And so that, that kind of drove me. Uh, it was about five years ago when that happened. My kids grew up, so I had more time. Uh, and my actual art journey started from a, believe it or not, from a Sunday school class that I taught about stepping out of the boat and doing something in faith. And that's kind of where I really started with this journey. But my goal was to set up a career, professional art career, so when I retired from teaching, I'd have something to supplement my income. And what's happening is the professional art career is pushing me out of the ability to teach because it's becoming, I'm becoming so busy. So. Yes. That's well, kind of where I'm at. That's great. Yeah, and I, you know, I've heard, I have heard that phrase before, and it has always just made me the, the those who can't do teach. It just doesn't make me feel very good because no. I think I've had such good teachers in my life that it's that it's like, well, they, you know, they can't do. They're choosing to invest their time this way. Um, but I like the way you took that phrase and used it as sort of like a, a challenge. Well, like, don't me. tell me what I can't do. I love that. Yeah, that's a great way to respond to something that maybe feels a little weird. Um, and congrats too, it sounds like you've really grown. I want to dive more back into what you're doing in a moment, but I do want to hear from you, Jessica. So, so tell me about the first time that uh, you really started to get paid for, for what you do. Uh, kind of like the same with you, it was about five or six years ago. I can't even put a number on it, but I graduated school and if you've, it's hard, I mean, it's hard to be an artist, like, you know, but I remember the first time that someone actually approached me and they said, I want to take that home. I remember just feeling like, oh, you know how people are always, like, they say things like that. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, funny. And they're like, no, I want to buy it. And I think it first dawned on me that I could, like, really continue to paint and start selling and not, not just, it's nice for the money and everything, but, like, it, there's a feeling of they like what I'm doing and I like what I'm doing so there's like a connection with whoever buys it um, so yeah about five or six years ago is whenever I started selling my work and uh, like I, he said you kind of learn how to market yourself because we're it's 2019 there's Instagram there's Facebook I don't know my dad asked me to be on Marco Polo the other day so there's like tons of stuff coming out that you, ha you have to learn how to market yourself and then how to, what to put on, what not to put on, and then, because everyone sees it also, just don't forget, everyone sees your social media, so yeah. <laughs> so you're putting out, when you first started selling, were you just selling on social media at the beginning? Is that, is that kind of how you started, or was it more just face-to-face -face people saying, hey, I want that, and you'd be like, oh, sure, I'll sell it to you for whatever, like, is that kind of how you got started? So the first time I actually sold, I remember specifically, um, it was at Graphite in the Plaza, and um, I had just been putting stuff on social media, and there was another artist that um, dropped my name to the owner and was like, hey, she's got some great stuff, like, put some stuff up, and I was like, oh, yeah, I would love to. And that's what also I learned is make connections, like, talk to people. And sometimes as an artist, especially since I can be extroverted and introverted, I don't want to always talk to people, but try to make yourself, if, if someone buys your piece, like figure out who they are, talk to them, why did you buy it, invite them to other shows, make friends with other artists, basically just make, give yourself like a web of people, of connections. And that's, so that's how I first sold mine, is that I didn't even know the owner of the gallery, it was just a friend that dropped my name. So very sort of relationship building, especially in your early stages when you get your first few sort of fans that are following yes. you, like really put a lot of energy into those people because that's what's going to allow them to tell other people about what you do yeah. and give you more opportunities. Yeah, and when you make friends with other artists also because like I'm very familiar with his work, like it's completely opposite of mine. Mine's, I'm painting and I have paint on my ankles, like it's just a messy, but his paintings are so straight, so perfect that I appreciate it even though it's not what I do. And I've crossed paths with him several times and you, so you learn things from other artists as well and viewers and so it's just nice to get feedback. Yeah, I love that. So Jason, as I understand it, you've got placements in a few shows currently throughout the region, not just in Oklahoma. Um, can you tell me a little bit about those and, and uh, just sort of how you've made some of those connections and gotten to the point where you have gotten your art placed in galleries well, and shows? I'll tell you a story. When I was at Seminole, it was probably about 2000. I thought, I can, I'm going to try to market this. 
and I reached out to a gallery in Oklahoma City. I don't remember the name, and I wouldn't tell you if I did. But you know, as an artist, when you put yourself out there, it's kind of scary. And they said, "Well, who are you? You can't just call and get in." And it shut me down. And I just said, "Well, I'm I'm done with this." And then, like I said, about five years ago, I got this drive again. From the, mostly from that statement and other things that happened in my life. But I joined OVAC, Oklahoma Visual Artist Coalition. And I can tell you right now, as an artist in Oklahoma, that's the best resource that we have. Mm. Because when I joined OVAC, they offered shows on what to do, what not to do, uh, how to set up a website. Uh, they uh, took pictures of your paintings for $10 a piece. On a, it was a special they did. They don't do that all the time, so don't go tell them to take pictures of them for $10. But they did for that, and I it was able to get a, uh, a, a website with those photos. I mean, OVAC is what really gave me the knowledge to know how to approach a gallery. Oh, I see. Uh, they produced a book. What well, was a book? Now it's a thumb drive. <laughs> The world changes, and uh, but on that thumb drive, it tells all the galleries in Oklahoma and what you need to do to submit to get in those galleries. I submitted to almost every one. Uh, I mean, I went through them one by one. Uh, January, I had 75 paintings in seven different galleries. Uh, currently, right now, I have a a painting that's been accepted in the Geometric uh, Museum in Dallas. It will, it will open next week. I've got a painting at Art Space 111 at a regional show. I've got a solo show here in Norman at the Public Library West. Uh, I'm at Paseo Gallery 1 just about all the time. And then I've got a show at the Enid Art Center in Enid. And I just push myself to keep myself out there. Because if you stop, you'll just go away. And that's the thing about an artist. You constantly have to put yourself out there because if you stop, you're just, you'll just fade. And that's the hard part is completely making yourself go, go, go all the time. And I live in McAllister. I drive, last year I did my taxes, I made 35 trips to Oklahoma City alone. That's not counting T Dallas and the other areas. It's a lot of work. A yeah. lot of work. It gives extra meaning to the phrase push yourself because not only have to show up every day and do the work, you also have to push yourself to other well, people. Well, you've got to be more than just an yourself. artist. Right. You've got to be, you got to do PR, you've got to mm -hmm. be business smart. Uh, yeah. I mean, and if you, you know, I hear artists say, oh, I just want to paint. Well, there's a lot of great painters in this world that will never get anywhere because they can't market. You've got to do marketing and you got to do business if you're going to make it. You have to. I hear that, and you know, I come from the music world, and there's some similar dynamics there of you know putting yourself out there, what that's like, and 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 just kind of how raw that is, and the fact that you have to be such a business person in addition to an artist. Sometimes that's not what people are in it for. But I really like what you said about OVAC because I think that so often. When you have all these myriad of things and headspaces you have to operate in to be successful, having somebody that can go help you get on the right track and get pointed in the right direction so you can apply your effort well, I think that's a, a very valuable lesson. How did you hear about OVAC originally and get connected with it? Uh, another artist, like mm. Jessica said, we all talk. So the artist community. <laughs> and we okay. learn things. And, yeah. and uh, you know, OVAC, one of the things that they taught, they did a workshop on how to write a grant. Well, mm. I look, took that and wrote a grant to get a professional. Uh, grant from OVAC to get more pictures for my website and then just recently they do the artist fellowship award they award to two artists in the state of Oklahoma and I've received that one that's a $5,000 grant Oh, congrats! and uh, they will promote all your art shows for a year and then they will do a, a a magazine that will be sent out nationwide so oh, great. there's lots of things that OVAC offers but you got to plug yourself into it yeah. and, and take advantage of it. I'm sure for all sorts of artists or something like that. Um, I want to switch over to Jessica. So I know, I know you have some placements in uh, shows that are maybe not in traditional spaces. Can you tell me how that came about? Um, it, it came about, again, as I sold uh, two pieces to, um, I think I, he contacted me through the internet. And then about a month ago, not a month ago, about three months ago, um, he works for a tech firm called uh, Amshot, and they're 
basically what they sound like, a tech firm, but they're wanting to exhibit artists every three months and said, because they want to be more than just, this is what we do every day. They want to bring other kind of people into the building, um, people that love art. There's also a brewery that will be featured, which um, I also work at Coop Works, and so we'll be bringing beer in. So they're, they're wanting more than just techie people in the building. They're wanting to share a little bit more. And so I saw that through Rick. I apply, I sent my uh, portfolio in and um, I got it. And so I absolutely love it. I'm really excited about it. It's on the 25th is, uh, so we'll have beer if anyone wants to come out. It's for okay. donation also for, um, uh, it, to help women in technology and just to get a little more equality in it. Great. Um, so I really like reaching out in those kind of places too, or, or in just in galleries, like I said, and like he said that, you do, no matter what environment you are in, you do have to kind of sell yourself and like put up this, and even though you're stressed out, you have to put on this face of this facade of, this is my art, I'm having a great time. Yeah, kind of that separation yeah. between you and you as the artist that yes. has to happen in, yeah. in so many mediums, so. yeah, uh, media. Um, and, and it is interesting, you know, I just, as, as things go, tech I think is a place where there's really a lot of appreciation for both form and function. And I think that, you know, it, uh, those types of businesses seem to be, re seem to be really open to bringing in beauty and creativity, making that part of their even company culture because just in what they do, they see that as important. Um, is there any other places where you see maybe there's gonna be opportunity for artists that maybe there hasn't been as much in the past, but newer industries that uh, oh yeah, I completely believe in that. Just because art is more on the right. I moved here in about 2006 and I was really nervous uh, majoring in art in Oklahoma City just because I didn't really see a lot of opportunities out there and IAO was there, but a lot of it's grown so much since 2006. Um, just keep an eye out. You never know other buildings. Might, there's also other places that I can't think of right now because I'm nervous. But. Um, <laughs> Like the tech firms, buildings that people just have blank walls, they really want to bring something else in, in there and I mean like go through OVAC, they usually post all kinds of stuff about shows like that and just keep your eye out for other places that are opening up for artist, artist opportunities. Cool, it sounds like you've done that, that's really good insight. Um, one thing I do want to dive into, um, maybe we go a little deeper. So. Um, I know a lot of artists who maybe struggle with the relationship of, of art and, and business, of art and money, right? Because, you know, art is this pure thing that, like, money's not affected, doesn't really have anything to do with, but you gotta sell, you gotta make a living if, you, if it's really what you wanna do. Can you speak a little bit to just maybe how you, how you look at that so that you can keep your art what, keep your art pure and what it needs to be, yet also be practical and, like, and do what you need to do to, uh, you know, put gas in the tank for your business and what you do? Yeah. You know, let's start with Jason. How about that? It's just to switch it up. Wow, that's a tough question. Uh, pricing is the hardest thing, I think, to figure out for an artist. Uh, most artists will underprice themselves as a whole. Most of them will. Uh, but my goal is to supplement my income after I retire. So. You know, I need sales. And so you got to get your stuff out there with the idea that you're going to sell it. It's sometimes hard to let go of a piece, especially if you really like it. But, you know, that's what your, that's your goal is to sell. Uh, and I know what you said, that you, you create, and I would create, and I did create for 25 years without selling. Mm -hmm. But at some point as an artist, if you want to make a living you're going to have to figure out how to sell and figuring out your pricing is an important part of it uh, I started out too cheap I don't know about Jessica I started out my, my work takes hours hours to do and uh, I took a piece that I that I pretty well is a signature piece that I'm kind of known for it's on my watch uh, it's called skyscrapers and I sold it for $750 to a client in California. And I said, I've got to document this before I send it to you. And I took it to a, a place to get it documented, BWO on Sheridan. And a doctor came in and seen it and offered me $2,500 for it. And I realized that I was underselling. You gotta believe in yourself and you gotta believe in your art and you gotta price it with what's fair. 
if it takes you a long time to to complete a piece I mean I know some of you in here it takes hours to do what you do you need to ask a fair price now I've got artist friends that can paint five paintings a day mm -hmm. yeah they can sell theirs a little cheaper than what I can but you know that price point is what's the hardest thing for that's the number one question that artists ask me how do you decide what to sell it for and it's different for each artist so you really can't give them a patent answer so that's that's actually a really good answer I'm gonna come back to that like because I think we can I have some follow-up questions but I do want to get your take on that same question Jessica just um, how do you conceptualize money versus art um, just kind of how what what's sort of your approach to it so that you everything feels really good and like you're going about things the right way. I will also expand on it is very about pricing your art. Mm -hmm. I did did not price mine high enough when I first started because um, um, again how opposite we are. Um, I paint very fast and very gestural and with a lot of paint and I let it, let it dry and go over it but I can paint like you said like five paintings a day and so <laughs> I that's one thing I struggled with and I was like well it didn't take me very long and then you do the materials and then you completely forgot you have to remember what your self worth your self worth is of how much I mean if I was at a normal job how much would I be paying an hour and if you keep track of how much you worked you need to pay yourself a good amount and then another thing I think I would say is also, don't create, try to create something you think the public would like. Um, that's really hard to do just because, like I said, it's 2019. You can get on your phone and scroll in art, hashtag art, and you see all this stuff and like all these famous artists. And don't ever get caught up in trying to figure out what the viewer wants you to paint so you can sell it. Yeah. I think. It's um, a losing battle. Yeah, it's, it, but it's hard. I mean, it's. Like uh, there's so many artists, great, wonderful artists, and we live in an age of comparison, um, and you just don't want everyone to do that. Try to stay true. It's kind of silly to say it, but st stay true to yourself because I believe if people start buying your work, they're buying it because of what you're creating and not what you're trying to create for them. So mm -hmm. don't get it backwards. I hear you. So that that's great insight, and I l also love that you guys do such contrasting things that you you know you can speak from a place where this takes me all day this takes me you know some time but not a whole day and um, or multiple days I'm sure in some cases for you yeah um, so that, that's really cool to have both y'all here I, I want to put something out there and then, and then just kind of see how y'all respond to it so um, you know it, in business, it's it's a little easier to determine a price. Normally, you know, there's there's it's just not as hard in business to, to figure out what to sell things for. In art, is notoriously difficult to determine the price. Uh, understand, and I think there's a reason for that. So, um, when you're selling in business, you really can't price things based on what it costs the business to produce it necessarily. It's also what is it worth to the customer. You know, that's almost the more important question because if you build a product that costs you more than what the customer will pay, you just can't build it. That's how, you know, it usually goes in business. Um, in art though, it's, it, you're, selling, you're selling art. Like it just doesn't work quite the same. Um, do you think that contributes to just the difficulty in pricing? And for you, in, when it comes to pricing, how? How have you learned over time to set your prices in determining like what it's worth to the customer, like the doctor compared to the guy who was initially going to buy, and then and then what it's and then making sure that it's worth your time, whether it pays dollar for dollar the hours putting in, or there's some type of other fulfillment that makes it worth it. How oh, well you are asking some tough questions. Man, we're trying to go I'd deep. Say, you know, we're going right. to bring it out you're of philosophical right. stuff in a in a couple. But I think it's I think for, as an artist when it comes to making a living, I, I've heard every artist struggle with that, so I like to get the conversation going. Well, some of the things that you said triggered some thoughts in my mind. When you price your art, you also gotta consider that somebody's gonna get a cut of that. It's just the reality of the world we live in, guys. I, mean, mm -hmm. I have artists say all the time, I won't show at a place where they take some of my money. Well, good luck, you better buy yourself an own gallery because you're not gonna show. Uh, you know, when you price it, you got to think most of the galleries, the average here in Oklahoma is 30%. That's probably the average. So when you price it, you got to consider, all right, I'm going to have to give up 30%. So you got to think about that because so you, you're, you're trying to figure out what to market it at so that you can get something. And if you price it at, let's say you get a print made and you price it at, 
it costs you $10 and you price it at $20, well, they're going to get 30% of that it cut plus your cost of the print. You're not going to make any money. So you got to think about what the galleries are going to take. And so you got to consider that into the mix. You've got to value, I think as an artist, you've got to value your art. I think galleries want to see artists that value their art. Mm -hmm. I may be wrong. We've got a few gallery uh, representation in here, but they don't want you... They don't want you to see a piece that they know that took you a month to paint and you price it for $500 because they're thinking, you don't believe in yourself. Does that make sense? Yeah, or you know, someone who's a professional artist and getting, they're the type of person who's getting all these placements, they're used to, you know, they're probably used to, to pricing things higher because they're in that world and so mentally they might be like, oh yeah, this person is but a But you got to think right. about all that. I mean, yeah, you were talking about business, you got to think sure. about what are they going to take. Right. Uh, I got uh, I got in a gallery in Miami Beach, Florida. Got to be a part of the Art Basel in 2015. Mm -hmm. uh, the art gallery in Miami Beach, Florida takes 50%. So when my paintings went to Miami, Florida, I priced them twice what they are here. Now you can't do that here. You can't go in one gallery here and price it at this price and another gallery price it higher. Mm -hmm. You can't do that. But because Miami was so far, I could do that. But you've got to consider all those things. How much is it going to cost you to ship it? How much is the gallery going to get? How much is it going to cost me to hang it on the wall? And so you've got to think about all that when you think about your pricing. It's more than just, well, it's so much a square inch. Because that's what most of them try to tell you to come up with a formula that way. And I kind of have a formula that way, but I change it depending on, you know, the gallery fit and all that stuff. So. Absolutely. It's a tough question. Yeah, it's... And it's Because you got to think about in. that. The gallery's going to get something. For sure. They're not going to hang it for free, and right. you shouldn't expect them to hang right. it. Right, well, otherwise there'll be no gallery. There'll be no place <laughs> to hang. So, and, then, and then where are we at? So yeah. you got to price it thinking about they're going to get 30%. And so you got to think about all these things. And you got to be... you got to believe in yourself and believe that painting's worth $4,000. Right. Because if you don't believe it's four four thousand dollars, you're not going to sell it. Yeah. Well, I I I'll, I got four thousand on it. Well, that's telling them you'll take tw two. You know, I got four thousand on it. It took me two months to paint that painting. That's a fair price. Mm -hmm. And you got to believe in yourself. Absolutely. Set it and stick with it. So. No doubt. Yeah. Barter a little bit, but. But most sure. of the parts stick to it. Yeah, at least it's starting the conversation. I think that's a great approach. Like that's very level-headed, and I think it makes sense. Uh, Jessica, do you want to tag anything onto that, or do you have any other thoughts on, on just finding that balance of how much does it take for me, what's it worth to the other person, what's something that just makes sense for all the parties involved? Uh, I mean, sometimes you'll have regrets about how you price things, um, but like you, I do agree with him that you set it, you, you believe in your price, you act like it costs that much, you never being like, oh, don't also, don't ever, good advice, don't go, like someone like, oh, I can't afford that, um, but can you sell it to me after it's down from the gallery? That stuff always gets out, it gets you in trouble. Mm. Don't, it's hard to like, man, I've never come across 50%, that's crazy. That's really high. New York City takes 60 or five. New York City, 60 yeah. Or oh, of course, yeah, New York. And, but don't ever bat an eye when they say 60% because these are the people that you kind of have to still work with and try to get your work into their space. Um, and then, Shipping-wise, do never um, skimp on shipping. Make sure it gets there in perfect condition. And I would say also a little bit of advice is try to have, if someone's buying, I sent some to uh, Colorado recently, and if they want the paintings, they're not willing to come get it, they should help with shipping, like or pay entirely with shipping, yes. Um, so that's a bit of advice that I learned when I was younger, if I ever had to ship things, because I wanted to sell it. And I was like, oh, I'll ship it. And then once you realize the shipping is probably half of the painting's price, now always just put it right in there with it. Because right. if they really want it, they're going to pay for it. Right. 
Yeah, once I got the piece forever. I hear that, you know, and, and, and I deal with pricing creative services as well, and, and so I totally feel that. And, and the main thing I find is you have to know all the parties, and you have to understand all the parties involved. You have to know what it's worth to the other person in their walk and, and where they're at. You have to know what, what you need for yourself, and that takes really knowing yourself quite well because for certain creative projects, I have to make a certain amount of money and for others that really to me are just something I want to do, I'm willing to take a lot less money. And so for me personally, it really depends on that and it's always just walking through life and creativity, finding places where things make sense. Like do things make sense at this price? Are these people willing to pay $10,000 for my painting? Is that something that I, I need to like, does it fit my criteria? It does, okay. Then I have all the confidence in the world about this price now because I understand who I'm selling to well enough to know that it makes sense. I understand the gallery well enough to know what they need to be a successful business because that's a creative person doing trying to create something likely. Like, I don't think most gallery owners, at least locally, are raking in cash. I think they are working really, really hard to be a place that can you know, be a, a source of art in, uh, in their community. So. I mean, have you all ever had somebody that you sold to and, and, and you've, you feel like by sharing that art with them, it's really made an impact on them? Any, any, any situations where maybe somebody's sent you a message or just maybe expressed something? I, I want to see, like, how does that affect people who buy your art? What, what, what do they feel? And have you ever had a story of somebody being affected strongly? Well, my art, if you see it demands attention I don't I don't think I'm being wrong when I say that I mean if if my piece is going to be up it's going to get attention and uh, so usually when a when a client buys a piece it ends up being a focal point and I love when clients buy it and then take a picture of it and show it and and then you can use it on your social media to show that it's at a client's house but when a client buys a piece of art from you they're buying a piece of you i think i don't know if that makes sense but they're 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 saying i believe in you and at the price point that i'm at they're really saying i believe in you uh, because it's it's not cheap i mean i make smaller pieces to fit smaller markets but my large pieces are pretty expensive and uh, so when a client invests that much money in you it's very humbling uh, it's very, uh, it just makes you feel really good, and and so you want to. All right, I'll I'll, I'll try to round this around where it makes sure. sense. I had a I had a client in Oklahoma City who bought a piece for six thousand dollars. I never dreamed I'd sell a painting for six thousand uh, dollars. He said, "I want that piece." Uh, I went to my website, picked it out. He said, "It's for my office," and he said, I want, "I'll I'll pay six thousand for it." And I said, I'll, I'll bring it to you next week. He said, you're going to bring it to me? I said, yes. You spent $6,000. I'm going to bring the painting to you. Uh, I'm going to make sure it gets there. And, and it, he was so impressed that I took the time to take it to him. Because I go to Oklahoma City all the time. But I wanted to make the point to shake his hand, see where he was going to put it, tell him thank you, because he's... Man, he invested six thousand dollars in me. Now he's since then he's bought three other more, three more paintings. So, you know, they're investing in you, and you need to take the time to make make sure you make that connection. You talked about that earlier, where you 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 shake their hand, you get to know them. It's, I mean, they're buying a piece of what you created that you believe in, and it's it's very humbling sometimes. So. No doubt, that's really beautiful. Um, I have some follows, but Jessica, do you have any stories that you could share to that effect? Um, it's kind of the same kind of story as um, when you sell a piece of work and you, I love to ask them, well, why do you like it? So like, what was you attracted to it for? Mm -hmm. And you hear their answer and then you kind of think back in your head when you were painting it and then you have this little small connection with a stranger that you have never met before, but you're meeting because of something, what you created. That's the part that I love is that I could have never met this person and now we have this connection through my art and like he said, I, the woman from Colorado has bought several of my paintings because now we're friends on Facebook, we text all the time and she sends me articles about art. It's just, you, you're creating these connections that you didn't have before and you really need to appreciate it and it humbles you. Um, I think that's 
the biggest part for me because sometimes when you do paint all the time and you're in there, the doors close, you got your music on, you forget that you are still trying to connect with people. Um, and as artists, it's kind of, you can like flip on the other side. When I see another artist's work that I connect to and I'm the viewer, it's like, oh, this is what it feels like to be on the other side. So it's just really refreshing and nice to connect with someone that you never would have seen before. Yeah, that's a great way to get understanding is just putting yourself either literally or just mentally in the place of the other person. I'm sure that gives you a lot of insight. And I perceive both of y'all as being successful commercial artists, you know, like, like doing, doing it well and, and finding success with it. It sounds like y'all both put a lot of intention into relationships and connections with other people. Um, even though you are, it's a transaction, you're selling something, it sounds like to you it's more than that. And I think with art, it sort of has to be because it is such a personal thing. You know, it might be different if you were selling something, you, you know, your team manufactured in a shop that is just, you're making millions of them. I think it's a little different when it's something that's, that, that really is a piece of you. And I think, I think leaning into that, I truly think is, is likely to, to play a big role in having success as a commercial artist. I mean. OVAC is, is another example of the same thing, even if you're not selling people, your relationships with artists and, and connecting with them in that way has connected you with other people who are able to, to help you if they, if, if they know about what you're trying to do and they know you well enough to, to well, offer and, something. And sales, we're talking sales tonight, but mm -hmm. it's not uh, always a, about sales, it's about relationships. I mean, I've got several people here today that are here because they came to support me. And, and I just don't say that bragging, I say that because that's part of what I want. I don't want to just say, I want to, I want to get to know Jessica. I want to get to know these people. I want to be their friend. I like to talk about my art. I'm not one that's not shy about talking about my art. I talk about my art all the time. Uh, I talk about it with my kids at school, my students. I talk about it with my friends that are here. We trade paintings, we, we, we eat out together, we march at the, at the state capitol together. I mean, the, it's more than just, the art world is more than just sales, it's about a family of artists that grow in the relationships with each other. And so those relationships are just as important to me as the sales. And I know that sounds corny, but it's the truth. I think that if you have that at the core of everything you do, that's where gallery owners become more likely to place your art truly. I think people can sense that in everything. And I think that when, when that is truly who you are, conversation you have, people want to help you. They want to point you in the right direction. They want to help you make connections. They want to buy your art. I mean, that, it's all in there, right? It's a part of you. So I think if that's genuinely you, I think the people that you share yourself with through your art or just your time and relationships, I think those people, I think that's really how you figure out how to sell the most art, is just starting with a genuine intention like that. And I think that part of that is why I like to go a little deeper into the conversation because everyone in the audience who watches this can Google about resources and grants and stuff like that. Like Google's got you covered there. Right. The point of having a panel where I can talk to people like y'all is those, those more squishy questions, the why behind things, in my opinion, that's what really points you down the direction. If you can search within yourself and figure out what you're about, um, Things tend to come together for, for people who are able to do that. And all the, the details, you know, you can find it, you have a lot of good resources from local organizations and, and the internet to, to get pointing in the right direction on the nuts and bolts of it all. But um, before, we, before we, we go to the Q&A for the audience, um, I just want to follow up one more time. I always like to ask this question twice um, after we've dived, dived into the conversation a little bit because I sometimes find it's a little different. I want to ask you just again, um, why, why do you make visual art? Um, I know you've already answered the question once, but I usually find that by the end of the conversation, people tend to answer it a bit different. So I just want to ask the same question again. Jessica? I'll go right and go first. <laughs> <laughs> she always makes me go first. <laughs> because that's what I was made to do. If I don't paint, my wife don't want to be around me. Because when I paint, that gets me to a place that I need to be. And if I don't get to that place enough, my kids don't want to be around me, Patty don't want to be around me, my wife. I mean, I enjoy the creating process. And if I am creating, I'm happy. If I am not creating, I'm grumpy. And I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if every artist can identify with that, but that's the truth. If I 
am creating that I'm happier and people want to be around me more. And I love, that's a great answer. It makes me think of that Snickers commercial. <laughs> you're not you when you're hungry. It's like you're not you when you're doing art. Right. That's amazing, man. Thank you so much, Jessica. Same question. Um, mine's kind of the same as my first answer, but I kind of get a little a different one this time. Uh, I was very shy in high school, very, very shy. I still have to punch through that wall of not wanting to talk. Are you doing it's, great in front yeah, of all these people? Good, I know, I'm trying to make eye contact with everybody. <laughs> that's the hardest part. Um, and so I started painting and drawing because that's really the only way I wanted to communicate. It was talking with my hands, talking with the paint. I think that's why I like the texture and the movement. Well, I'll go off of references, but usually I'll look at it and then just start painting. I can communicate with the paint, I think, better than talking with my mouth. And so mm. that's a little more why I paint, because I feel I get to talk to the world that way. That's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Uh, that's, that's really great. Cool. Well, at this point, I'm, I'm sure there's all sorts of different artists that might have questions, even if you want to get more specific to just like, you know, I, how do I get myself in, in galleries? Like, like practical questions. We'd love to hear some of that or just whatever. We've got this cool, uh, the show starts now possible mic. I've always wanted to use one of these, so I'm super, super stoked. Before we do that, I, I do want to let you know this art you see, this is all by Craig Swan. This is currently showing here in Norman at uh, The Resonator. And I do want to say a quick thank you to Norman Arts Council and everybody else involved in putting this on. Without further ado, anybody got any questions? Can I throw it or you want to throw it to you? All right, come in your way. Nice. Okay, I have a question for both of you. Have you ever had to deal with having your work damaged? I've actually never had work damaged before when I think about it. Um, most of the time though, if you, there's an agreement about if it is damaged, like how much they will cover, um, which for example, Amshot, um, we have an agreement that like if a random tornado hits the building, they cover up to I think $10,000 of the painting. So usually there's some agreement. Oh, you're, at, you're from Amshot, you're sure. Okay, <laughs> awesome. Uh, usually there's some sort of agreement, but I've been lucky to never have a painting damaged. I haven't been that lucky. I've done a lot of shows and I do a lot of shows and my stuff is so precise that it gets a scratch on it, it's there. And so I've learned that that's part of it. Now I do have my art insured through, through my private self and it's insured when it's shipping, it's insured when I'm driving it to the gallery, it's insured when it's up at the gallery. And so if it's completely destroyed, then it will be replaced that way. But as far as just little nicks and things like that, I've just had to fix them. <laughs> and sometimes that's hard, especially with the way I do things. Uh, because the values are so important in some of my work that it can be really time consuming to fix. It's a good answer. So contracts, insurance, and elbow grease. You, you got to have it all. And it's all part of it. And you got to consider all that in the price of your painting. You go back to the price and you got to consider it. all of this stuff in it. No doubt. That's so. great. Good question. Uh, anybody else? <laughs> and do say your name. What's your, what's your name? I'm Katie. Katie, and who, who was the last question? Uh, Lawrence Neff. Thanks, Lawrence. Yeah, Katie, go ahead. Um, my question was about pricing because um, you talked about, you know, if the gallery was 50 as opposed to 30 or whatever. Would you, if you sell it personally or on your website, do you price it differently than if it's in a gallery? Or do you just stick with basic gallery pricing the whole time? Good question. You, you, you've got to be careful. But yeah, if I sell direct, uh, direct, and I'm not undercutting the gallery, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying, hey, wait till it gets off the wall and I'll sell it to you cheaper. If I sell from my website, I can give a little bit of a discount because I'm not having to give up that 30%. Does that make sense? So there are times that I can barter more with an individual when they buy it from me as an individual. But I, I never, ever tell a client, wait till it gets out of this gallery, and then I'll do that. I won't do that, because you do that, you're, gonna, you're not gonna be in the galleries. But you're right, when you sell direct, and there are times I, I sell on Facebook, I, maybe I'm needing to move a few pieces, I got a project coming up. 
And I'll, I'll sell them at a discounted price just to move them. But then again, I'm not giving up that 30%, 40%, or 50% to the gallery. I'm not undercutting them. I'm just selling them as myself now. Uh, so you you got to be careful with that undercut. If it's in a gallery, you don't say, wait till I get out. Could I add something to that? Yes. And my website doesn't have pricing, and, and, and Peggy brings up a good question there. I don't mm -hmm. put my prices on my website because I had paintings in Miami that were taking 50% and paintings here that were taking 30%. So if you put your paintings on your website at a price, then you better stick to that. And the people in Miami are going to be ticked off or the people here are going to be ticked off. You can't make the galleries mad because if you do, you're not going to have a place to show yeah, so for the audio, just uh, the, Peggy's a gallery owner and she's just mentioning that she has seen situations where artists maybe have a personal price that's less than what's listed on their website and listed in the gallery and you don't want to like actively promote that, that and, and put the gallery in a bad position, but there can be some sort of discount that you can offer personally. You just don't want to make it public. You don't want to put the galleries in a position where they're less likely to be successful. Most of my sales are from galleries. So mm -hmm. when I say that, I'm getting most of my sales from the Festival of Arts, mm -hmm. the Paseo, the galleries that I'm in. So, uh, but but you're, when you're dealing with a friend or somebody, you can maneuver a little bit. You can even cut it down in the gallery some. Of course, you're still going to lose that 30%. So. That's right. My answer is almost the exact same. Like, <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. Okay. Good question. <laughs> All right. Um, my name is Casey. Hey, Casey. Uh, so, I just started being able to get into like doing art full time, uh, being like stay at home dad and whatnot now. Um, how do you get like? comfortable with like sticking to like one particular style because like I do a lot of like illustrations and stuff and I'm trying to come up with like mini comics and a uh, whole little series but like I can't really kind of pin down like a style for what I want to do. Like I'll do like one thing and then move on to like a whole different you know, style and it like constantly changes and it's never like that's a good question. That is a good question. Uh, when I was younger, I also struggled with that. Uh, I was like, oh, I want to be an illustrator, I want to be a painter, because whenever you're going to school, you get to take so many classes. Um, I, I would say to advice, keep, keep creating, um, and eventually I think it's going to root through there, and you're going to be able to figure out what where your strong points are, what you're doing just because something's just going to poke more out you. And it might be some that you have different elements from everything that you like. You bring it into one. I, I would just say just keep creating. Like you said earlier, don't stop. Because when you do stop at the lull, it's really hard to get back sometimes. Um, and I remember in college, they would tell us, it has to be cohesive. It has to be cohesive. But I, yeah. Some of the galleries will tell you that. Yes, it'll be cohesive. I mean, in my opinion, I do believe that if you're, the, like, my show that's coming up, they're all pretty similar. But I like to do certain series of where this is actually my first whole landscapes that I've done. And in the past, I've, I haven't done entirely landscapes. I wanted to bridge into something new. So I guess my advice is just to keep creating and figure out what your strong points are, what do you want to keep going with. His is way more specific. <laughs> <laughs> well, a few years ago I got a piece in the concept show that OVAC sponsors and the curator for that show was from New York City. And he took the time to sit down with each artist that he chose a piece for that, uh, that show. And I was, he was talking to me one on one. And I was telling him about my art, and he said, dude, you don't even know. And I said, I, I, I thought he was, I, I thought, man, he's getting on to me. I, I said, what, what do you mean? He said, you don't even know what you have. He said, you have created a style that somebody that doesn't even know if that you painted that, they can tell that's a Jason Wilson by the style that you painted in. And he said, you don't realize how valuable that is as an artist that people can recognize your work even though they haven't seen that specific painting. 
So I think that that style is important coming into, but I know artists that paint all kinds of stuff too and, they're, and they do fine, but I've got a style I'm known for. Now I've modified it, I tried to evolve it. I did a circle series, I did a gray series. I've, uh, I, I'm doing a series now based off the G's Bend quilters out of Alabama. Uh, so I'm always trying to evolve that style to do something different but stay true to that form or that style that I'm in. Uh, I'm currently, this will be the first time I've announced it publicly, but I've joined with uh, eight professional quilters in Oklahoma, six in Oklahoma City and two in Tulsa. And they're doing quilts inspired by my paintings and I'm doing paintings inspired by their quilts. And yet it's still in my style, you see what I'm saying? And and this 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 journey I'm on with these quilting ladies will probably be a two or three year journey where we're doing multiple shows throughout the next three years. But it still fits, do you understand what I'm saying? It's still, so I do think you need, I think you need to get that style. I look around here and I see the artists that are here that are my friends, y'all have a style, most of you do. And so it's important I think to find that groove and, 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 and kind of stick in it and evolve it here and there, so. Okay, you're a minister, you're an art teacher, and you're an artist. How many paintings, because you just said you had a certain amount of paintings throughout all these galleries, but they're extremely time consuming. So, I'm, are you making like, do you start like a, a random amount of paintings and you're working on each one of them? Are you doing one at a time? How are you doing this? And between, are you sleeping? <laughs> cool. That's. A good, I'm. I'm gonna rephrase. I'm gonna rephrase the question just for the audio on the video. So, um, the question is, you know, you're busy. You, you do so many things in life between teaching and being a minister and, and a family and all that. Um, you create these very time-consuming paintings. You do all the business side. You're a superstar. Uh, how do you make the workflow happen? Do you do them all at once? Do you stagger what you're working on? And how do you manage your time to get it done? Like my paintings, I'm very structured, okay? And if you know my art, you know what I'm saying. Uh, I multitask pretty well. I've always, I've been a school teacher my whole life. I've always had to have multiple jobs. If you teach in Oklahoma and you're a school teacher, you're broke unless you work more jobs. And I've always had multiple jobs. I was a youth minister for 30 something years and now I'm, uh, I, I got a church that listens to me preach some of the time. I don't know how great I am, but I've got that, and I got my, I teach art, and then I do this. Your answer to your question, I paint multiple paintings at a time. Because my style of art, if you see it, uh, it is it's very, you gotta be patient. It's all patient, it's time consuming, but I work on multiples at a time. So when one's drying, I slide it aside, I grab another one, and, and this is what I'm working right. I'm working on anywhere between six and eight paintings at one time. So when I tell you that painting took a month to paint, it took a month to paint, but I'm probably working on four or five others at that same time. Uh, but yes, I am very disciplined in, in everything that I do, I'm very disciplined. And that's kind of what drives me. So. With that favorite paintbrush? I have, that favorite paintbrush serves one purpose, I do not paint with it anymore. But I do use it every time I paint. You'd have to, you'd have to prod me to get that out, so. If you want to ask, you can. Inspirational. <laughs> oh, I love it. Same question? Yeah. Um, so young. I'm admiring. Yeah, she said five years ago when she said, oh. I know, but she's been able to do this. I had an art degree and I couldn't figure it out, so I taught art for years. So I'm like really impressed. I mean, the biggest thing I have to say, and also, like, there's some months I don't sell after college. I thought about giving up. There, I mean, it's never going to go completely right always. Um, but one thing I have to stress what he says is don't stop because once you stop and then you doubt yourself and then you're like, I can't do this. But if you find enjoyment in it, regardless if you're selling, then you're gonna keep doing it. Um, 
but to kind of go with him too, I also probably paint on five or six paintings at the same time too. Um, with Oklahoma's weather and how humid it gets, I have to have my paintings dry because I really like to use complement colors and so like you can't really mix purple with yellow or you get poop brown basically. So I have to wait for it to dry. Um, but um, I'm working on my deadlines. Sometimes it doesn't always work, um, but you have to set deadlines, finish things at a certain time. That's probably actually the biggest thing that I struggle with is, is deadlines. Yeah, and you have to have inventory. If you're going to put yourself out there that you want to be in the galleries, you got to have enough paintings to be in the galleries. Does that make sense? So you got to have inventory before you start your journey. You better have something on the wall or on your wall or behind you to support because you go out there and say I want a, I want a solo show. Okay, you got a solo show, you need 30 pieces. Well, you better have 30 pieces. I do multiple, I had seven, like I said, I had, I had 75 paintings in six or seven different galleries in, at the first of this year. First of all, you got to manage that, but you got to have the inventory. I wish I didn't have the 75. <laughs> Because that means they would have sold, <laughs> but but you know I have them, so I put them out there because they're not going to sell sitting at home. And, and one of the things that really frustrate me with uh, with an artist who's starting, and I I I've always been a teacher, so I always try to teach them. But they'll come to me and they'll say, Jason, I want to be an artist. Well, all right, show me your business card. Well, I don't have one. All right, tell me your website. I don't have one. Well, do you really want to be an artist? Because if you're going to be an artist, you're going to ha you have to have a website nowadays. You have to. You better have a business card. And you better have it with you at all times. And I'm bad about forgetting that sometimes. My wife gets on to me. But you've got to have all that stuff in place. Or you're not going to make it. You've got to have a website. You've got to have a business card. You've got to have inventory. And you just have to have those things. If you don't, good luck. I mean, if you don't have something to hang on the wall, you can't do a show. Love it. Cool. Good question. Thank you for that. that okay. Oh, no. you want to add a little more? Please yeah. do. This is good. This is good. Uh, I will say, right after college, the biggest thing about being an artist always is I want a website. I don't have the money for a website. I don't have the money to buy art supplies. I. So it's kind of hard to like say, keep going, don't ever stop, but like if you've got to make money to eat, but regard, like, it just kind of sounds silly to say this, but like, don't stop. Like, I've, I've had days with the term starving artist is so real, everything about it is real, um, but don't ever stop. If you can afford to buy one canvas every three months, you still have that one canvas and put your whole heart into it, and then when you can buy another one, you can buy another one. And for, for me, sometimes uh, the inventory is very also true. I hate whenever someone contacts me, they're like, oh, what else do you have? And I'm like, crap, nothing. <laughs> like, you could have sold something, you don't have it. But if it takes you a year to put 30 paintings together, then it takes you a year. Like, don't, and don't, like I said earlier, don't compare yourself to anybody else. Just keep going, basically. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that's good. It's inspirational, too, a little bit, so it's cool. Jason? I, I've got a couple of questions, but I'll start with this one. You know, some of the shows that you're going to put stuff in will say your work has to be done in the last two years. So in that inventory, maybe you've got a piece or two that gets old or whatever, do you have problems getting it moved forward, or do you just put it on your website? Or Old pieces, what do you do with them? Well, first of all, if you're an artist, you're going to figure out real quick that there's always somebody that wants a donation. Now, I'm not, I'm not dismissing that. I mean, I support a lot, of, a lot of organizations, and I want to do that. That's what you do with those older pieces. You take those older pieces, somebody comes up, says, uh, can you donate to, the, to this cause? You take one of those older pieces and donate it. And, and, and rotate it out that way. Uh, I do have a little bit of a pet peeve about what's well, got to be within two years. But, uh, but I understand that too. The galleries want fresh stuff. And so they want your new stuff. 
And so you got to have the new stuff. But that old stuff, you just move it the other ways, discount it, sell it to a friend, trade it. I do, how many people in here have I traded art with? Because, you know, I've got a, or sometimes I made it for them, but, but I'll take an older piece and trade them, uh, uh, donate them. Uh, that's what I do with them, so. And with the donation thing, because uh, I think we've both been at the omelet party at the museum a few times. People see your name still there. I mean, there's people that still love art, even though it's donated, but they take your name, you give them your card, just like with the connections, you never know what's going to happen with it. My other question to you is, you, when you're doing a, a market show or a show like, like a, the Art Fest or whatever, <laughs> um, I saw how you packed up lots of stuff this year and they had two vehicles and a bunch of people to help you, but kind of talk about where do you start with those markets and what kinds of things have been involved in that that you didn't expect? Or uh, first time I was accepted in Arts Festival was three years ago. I have always been a gallery artist. I have not done a lot of outdoor shows. I've done a few now, obviously, because I've been at the Festival of the Arts the last three years. But that first year that I was in the Festival of Arts, I put on Facebook, if you've been at the Festival of Arts, tell me what I need to know. And you just draw from everybody else that's been there. My first year that I went to the Festival of Arts, I was prepared. Not because I'd ever been, but because people that had been shared with me what I needed. I, need, I had everything I needed that first year because other artists told me what I needed. And that's what we gotta do. We gotta use each other to learn from each other. I'd never been at the Arts Festival. I didn't know what to expect. But because I reached out to and made these relationships, people spoke back and told me, this is what you're gonna need. This is going. So I went and I was prepared. I, I, it was still hard, but I went and I had everything that I needed. And so that's the way you prepare. Don't be afraid to ask each other. If you don't know, ask me. Ask somebody else. I don't know all the answers, but I can find somebody that will. <laughs> and we can, but use social media. Social media, man, is the best tool that we have. Uh, I had not been on Instagram when I first started this journey. I did a show at Black Mint Collective on uh, Film Row in Oklahoma City. Young lady said, "You own the lady on the gallery. Do you have Instagram?" Now, only I mean, kids talk about school. I, I know what it is. Well, you need to get on Instagram. I was on Instagram two weeks when the gallery in Miami Beach, Florida, saw my work and and and, and said, "You got to be at this show. We're having a show called the Hardline, uh, Hardline Show." Well, my stuff fits Hardline. I said, "Well, I, first of all, I checked them out, to make sure they were real." And you know, you're gonna ship 10 paintings to a gallery, you better make sure that it's a real thing. Uh, I checked, it was real, got it ready, sent it down there. And uh, you don't realize what me, five years ago at the beginning of my journey, being in a gallery, international gallery in Miami Beach, Florida, and we got to be a part of the Art Basel in 2015, you don't realize what that did for me here with my career. Because people are going, man, he's at the art basil. The biggest contemporary art show in the United States. You know, that those things, man, anything you can put on that C V, put it on there. And 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 fill it up. Every show you do, put it on there. And fill it up. But ask, because people will tell you what you need. That's how I did it. And then you know, you got an answer for that one? No, I think I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, you got it. Thank you for the question. Anybody else? I think we have time for one more question from the audience. Come on, you need to ask. You're getting started. Well, um, my only question, well, I guess I have lots, but the one <laughs> I want to ask is, um, do you take your own professional pictures of your work? Oh, good question. Very good question. I'll answer it and then I'll hand it off to you. Documenting your work is one of the most important things. If you can't take a good picture, you pay somebody to take that picture. Let me tell you, you need documentation of your work. Uh, 
I started out, OVAC offered the $10 and they, and they cropped them. It's gotta be cropped. It's gotta be, let me, you submit to uh, contemporary, or you submit to the Geometric Museum, which I just got accepted in. You send them a picture off of your uh, iPhone, they're gonna probably laugh you out of there. They're not even gonna look at it. Uh, I, I have a pro professional photographer, his name's Brandon Seekings, he's in Oklahoma City, I recommend him. Uh, you got to document your work, and it has to be professional quality. It has to be. If you've got an artist or a photographer friend that can do it, use them. But that is important. Is is documenting your work is one of the most important things that you you have to do as an artist. It's got to look good on print. It's got to look good when you submit to those shows. It's got to look professional if you want people to take you serious. Pretty much the same answer. Um, and you have to imagine how many people submit to these shows, their proposals, their images. And I hate to say it, but sometimes they're just trying to get to who they want to see. And so when they see this blurry photo, they're just, yeah, they're just going to keep going. Um, I actually got to fortunately invest in like a really nice camera, some lights, um, so I take my own photos, but like like he said, if I take a crappy photo of it, don't rush it. It's got to be really nice. You got to see the detail. Um, don't use yellow light because <laughs> it changed and don't mess with the picture, like get on your phone and like change the color or make sure it looks exactly what it actually looks like, so I would say. Go ahead. I just wanted to mention that OVAC this year, with their new digs, they have room, they put in a photo studio, and you can make an appointment to shoot. Awesome. Cool. So you can shoot at OVAC now. Man, thank you all so much. Panelists, thank you. Jessica, Jason, you all were amazing. Round of applause. Thank y'all so much for all your insight. I learned a lot today. I, I know we got some great questions and everything. I also want to thank the resonator here in Norman. Just thank y'all for having us and for being just a stronghold of art in the Norman art scene. Norman art scene is so cool. And thank you to Norman Arts Council. Thank you to Dennis and the show starts now uh, studios for putting on Art and Victory. This episode, along with all the episodes, will be available online at artandvictory.com. So to go check that out. Um, we'll see you guys at the next one. Thank you so much. Uh, stick around. Feel free to ask some questions, shake some hands, build some relationships in the artist community. <laughs> Thank you so much.